no doubt one of the things we talk about ad nauseum because it's so important in the GTA is the cost of housing. And uh, recently, a position has been put forth by the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, Ontario office, that our problem is greedy landlords. Ricardo Tranjon, he is senior researcher with the uh, Ontario Centre for Policy Researchers and the author of The Tenant Class, joins me now. Good morning. Good morning, Jerry. That's quite a reach to say that it's all because of greedy landlords. Well, that's not the argument. Uh, the argument is that when we talk about the market conditions, we have spent a lot of time talking about demand pressures and the kinds of supplies we want and all of these really important factors that we should continue to talk about. But we rarely talk about the fact that despite uh, the structure of the market, there's also an agency aspect of it, which means that governments make choices, landlords make choices, and then never gets any coverage. So that's the argument. Well, what choices do you think the landlords landlords are making? The landlords are choosing according to the Canadian um, Mortgage and Housing Corporation report that came out last week is the best source of data we have on the rental housing market. The landlords are choosing to hike up rents by 29% between tenancies. Uh, so as we know, there's the vacancy controls in the province, so they can do it. It's legal. It's in their you know purview to do it. But when tenants move, rents go up by 29% on average. So, and that's obviously driving prices up. And yeah. So that's an aspect we need to talk about it too. I think there's a reason for that. And it's because of a decision government made to limit what landlords can do in terms of raising rent while somebody lives there. So uh, they get behind after a while because it doesn't, it doesn't match inflation. It doesn't match the cost that the landlord is taking on. When interest rates are what they are right now, the landlord may be paying a lot more for the landlord's uh, side of the mortgage on that building. And so the only way they have a chance to catch up is when somebody moves out. Well, if you look at so rent controls that we have in unoccupied unions, they don't—they're not rent freezes, right? They're rent controls. And if you look at for the past ten years, um, rent controls—they more than matched inflation. So it's also not completely accurate to say the landlords can—you know—they're not being able to keep up with the market. They are keeping up with inflation through the occupied units, and for sure, um, when there's a—you know—a vacancy uh, opportunity to increase rates they want to you know catch up a little bit to the market but what i'm trying to raise the question is here is it okay if they raise up by 30 percent 40 percent 50 percent there's sky's the limit so they can raise for however much they want and we're just going to say that that's fine somebody just wrote in and said i can only raise my rent two and a half percent this year and john tory just increased my property taxes over five percent it's actually seven percent well, so there's two aspects to the argument. Uh, first, the way property taxes increases are calculated, there's not a direct relationship between the percentage increase and the amounts that you're going to pay extra. It's more complicated, the formula. So that's one thing. The second thing is that John Tory, John Tory has not increased property tax rates for uh, almost eight years now. Uh, it kept below or at inflation for more than eight years, whereas the, the value of the home of the person who wrote that has increased exponentially. So uh, his value of his property increases exponentially. His property tax hasn't increased for eight years. Now he has a little bit of a property tax increase. And again, Sure, he needs to increase uh, his rents for a little bit. How much? How much? What's the limit? What What is the number that landlords are going to say? That's a fair increase. We stopped it there. Should we put some sort of limit? I think that's the conversation that is worth having.
Ricardo Tranjan is here, senior researcher with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, Ontario office, author of The Tenant Class. Well, one of the answers to your question would be, they can do whatever they want. They own the building. You don't own their building. They do. Absolutely. That's one reason um, we have to have this conversation, because um, there's a number of industries uh, that have government regulation. Um, we know utilities, they don't go up um, exponentially. Um, healthcare, we limit profit because we all want to have access to healthcare. Education, we make free because we understand that our children it's not free. need to get some sort of education. Uh, yes, it, we make it. We don't charge people for attending education. We pay through our property tax, our tax basis. So what's housing? Where is it? Is it a completely private good? Um, we don't care if people get housed or not. It's their problem. Go out there. Good luck. Or do we need some sort of government intervention? Do we need government programs? Because this is the thing that we also don't talk a lot about. Um, there's a lot of, uh, when we talk about the housing price, housing price, housing price, there's a lot of sub subsidies that the federal government especially, but also the provincial government are giving to developers to build more. Right. So that also costs money. Um, so well, there's it, also, it, there are a, also programs that uh, assist lower income people with uh, housing. So, um, you know, that kind of goes both ways. But why is it that we will have people who will say something like, well, we should we should limit what the uh, landlord can raise for his own personal property. But by God, we better not try to limit the increases in the public sector wages. You can't do that. That's wrong. I'm not saying that, so I think you're going to have to take up the argument with whoever is saying that. Um, but I think it's the kind of comparison that I do is with the real estate industry, um, with other industries, right? Um, do uh, other businesses get as much support as um, landlords and the real estate industry do? Uh, I remember during the pandemic, in the first year of the pandemic, unemployment was really high, historical high levels. Um, we had a third of the economy shut down, and uh, the level of rent in arrears was really, really low because of CERB, because of other government supports that allow people to pay their rents. And it's still... No, as a matter of fact, the government, wait a minute, the government of Ontario actually announced that you couldn't have your rent raised, um, you couldn't be kicked out of your place because you couldn't pay your rent. And so what happened to landlords, and it happened a lot, is people stopped paying their rent. One of the biggest problems landlords have in Ontario, and the government needs to do something about this, landlord and tenant board is a useless organization, is that people will just sit in an apartment and not even pay and like a tick. And it takes a year, it take, it take a year to get them out of there. So during the pandemic, the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation put a lot of data out on the level of rent in arrears. When you compare the level of losses that we could see there with other economic indicators, um, the landlord, the real estate industry, they were you know, performing much, much, much better than the rest of the economy. Um, that is really clear findings that we see it. Uh, and yet the landlords went and said that the governments need to help them to make them whole, whereas we had like a third of the economy shut down um, and so many businesses struggling on Main Street to just keep it open, right? So what I'm raising the question is, um, why is this industry always crying poor? Whereas, you know, there are so many other businesses and so many other sectors of the economy that also have a and they also could use some support, but they just, you know, they do keep up with, with what it's required to, to have their business keep going. So I think it's a debate that is worth having.
Ricardo Tranchon. And I love that we're having it. <laughs> Ricardo Tranchon is a senior researcher with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, Ontario office, author of The Tenant Class. We only have one problem, and uh, it, it's a tough problem, but it is our problem. It is it's not about greedy rental, uh, greedy landlords. It's not about anything else other than the simple economic supply and demand. And in many cases, government is in the way of increasing supply. We need to massively increase the supply. So let's concentrate on that instead of demonizing landlords, the people who actually did buy and build buildings. I disagree. I think this supply question is a really important one, and there's other aspects of my work that focus on that. We need more supply, uh, but supply alone will not solve the problem. Of course, and there's it will. a lot of evidence. You won't. Again, there's a lot Ricardo, of evidence. Like, come on, let's be sensible. We're if, doing, if there were look double, at the data. I'm, I'm a researcher, right? So I'm yeah, well, I studied like, economics, like, and I can tell you that well, if, I have a PhD if, if you too, have. Let me say this. If you have more supply, then people will say to a landlord, no, I'm not willing to pay that because I can get something cheaper over here. In the last 30 years, we're just saying this. We need more supply. We need more supply. There's all these policies focused on supply. How is that working out for us? Well, what's the increase in population? There's 100,000 people a year coming to this city. Uh, that's the problem is that the, the population outstrips the supply. That's not true. Do you want to look at real numbers? So real numbers is like this. We looked at the, we did this comparison and it wasn't me, it was another researcher who did this comparison. One of the most respected housing uh, policy researchers in Canada, Stephen Pomeroy. And Pomeroy looked at the number of households between 2016 and 2021, which are the two census data years. And the number of households increased Low is lower is more slowly than the number of houses built. He found that in this period, every year on average, we added thirty thousand more homes than households than families, and prices we still went up. In, so in, in this where, notion where? that. Which in uh, Toronto? across the Canada, across okay, Canada, but I don't care about what's happening. Across oh, jeez. Oh, well, I do. I care what no, happens. I, in, in, I, and look, and I care what the data shows too. It's important for me to look at actually data and not to just kind of like make claims that are not supported for anything. So here you have one of the best housing policy researchers in Canada showing. Every year, on average, we had 30,000 more homes than families, and okay. prices kept going up. Yeah, yeah. It's important. I, I don't, I'm not saying supply is not important. We need to continue building. I think there's some really good arguments that are coming from developers and from the real estate industry about how slow some of these processes are and the fact that governments could, you know, um, okay. easy a little I'm bit. Time. That's a good fact, argument. So you won't solve the problem. It no. hasn't for 30 years. Okay. But thanks for having me yeah. on the show. Congratulations. You did what every activist did. You conflated. Uh, what's going on in Wadena, Saskatchewan with Toronto, and that is unfair and disingenuous. 